Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. We all know that SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars satisfying more customers. Well, with that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. So while they may have many awesome technicians already there to serve you, they actually need more. Because when you have a great business that's been in business for 107 years, you earn everyone's trust. So they're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746. A lot of college football talk today. Brett Sianza is going to join us. We're going to talk with him. Phil Steele will revisit with him for the upcoming college football season. The opening game of college football is Friday night with New Mexico State. Former Minnesota coach Jerry Kill is back on the sidelines as the head coach of the Aggies in New Mexico State. They'll play Nevada on Friday night. Coming up on Saturday in Dublin, it'll be Nebraska taking on Northwestern in the Big Ten opener. So it's the opening weekend, week zero of college football. Talk to Brett and Phil about that. Dave Revson on the Big Ten and 15 years of the Big Ten. And we've got Tim Kirchin as well. Tim Kirchin, of course, has been hanging out and doing brilliant work at the Little League World Series. And let's give credit where credit is due. ESPN does not just do a good job with the Little League World Series. They do a great job with the Little League World Series. Great job. Uh, people can be critical of the big gun when, you know, the several items that they carry and so forth and how they go about it. When it comes to the Little League World Series, they are exceptional. They tell great stories. And they praise the kids they present the great side of it, and it's well announced. Tim's part of that, and Carl Ravage does a tremendous job with it. So I can't say enough good things about it. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes Eleven and Fifteen, Ummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. And again, don't forget, whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, 
Sunbury Motors wants to hear from you. They already have a great staff, but they need to add to it. So you can stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746. And don't forget, when it comes to vehicles, Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, with great warranties, by the way. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and that fabulous service department that we just referenced. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. By the way, off day yesterday for the Nittany Lion football team. They always have the first day of classes off. They're back to work today. Uh, getting ready for the opener with Purdue, which is a week from Thursday. You'll hear it here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Eight o'clock will be the kickoff at Ross Hate Stadium. Uh, we're on the air beginning at six thirty. Let's turn our attention to baseball. The Little League World Series going on. Tim Kirchin, like everybody else at ESPN, is doing a great job at the Little League World Series. Carl Ravitch just is brilliant doing this. Tim is brilliant doing this. A couple of weeks ago, we had a chance to catch up to Tim after he made his Hall of Fame induction speech. An honor, by the way, well-deserved. So we'll revisit with Tim Kirchin. Tim, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you, Steve. That was a unforgettable weekend. It was overwhelming. It was overpowering. Um, I still can't believe this has happened to me, but um, it was so good. And uh, I'll never forget any second of the time I spent in Cooperstown. My next two points are going to be about two legendary Dodgers, one in the booth and one that pitched. You wrote over, I was listening to your Brewers Red Sox broadcast, so I've got to, you know, I was listening to your story about going over on the bus with Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax is somebody who doesn't like to talk about what he did as a pitcher and so forth. And you talked basketball with him because people don't realize that Sandy Koufax walked on at the University of Cincinnati as a basketball player. What was that experience for 15 minutes talking about something that Sandy Koufax wanted to talk about? Yeah, I was a little surprised when he came up to me and very elegant, regal-looking man and said, can I sit next to you? So I said, of course. <laughs> and Sandy, I just didn't think he was in the mood for, you know, hey, you really had a great curveball, or you went 97 <laughs> and 27 for the last four years. So I, I love basketball also. So I just figured I'm going to call an audible here and ask him about basketball because I've, ne- I've talked to him plenty of times, but never about basketball. So I asked him if he still watches the game, and then he said yes. And I asked him if he could dunk it easily when he was in college. And he showed me his giant hands, which I've already seen before. Those giant hands allowed him to manipulate the baseball and throw that spectacular curveball. And then, and I knew he had long arms, but he showed me his arms and he said, I have a 37 inch sleeve here. And he said, with these really long arms and these giant hands, I could palm a basketball and dunk a basketball easily, even though he was only six feet tall. So, I can't even begin to tell you how fun that was to have a 15-minute conversation with Sandy Koufax about something that I think he really enjoyed, and uh, I'm not sure he would have enjoyed a baseball conversation nearly as much. 
How often did you go over that speech? Because it was brilliant. How often did you go over it? I did it probably 200 times. I did it 200 times alone. I did it 200 times out loud. And I just had to make sure that no matter what, the words were going to come to me. Otherwise, that could have been a disaster. Now, I had the whole speech and my notes in front of me. But I made it an, eff- an effort not to look down, and since I memorized it, having read it 200 times, practiced it 200 times, I actually got through it without falling over, and that, that's a victory, believe me. It was worth it. It was, it was outstanding. outstanding. Uh, Vince Scully, Vince in my in part of the profession, of the profession. I, feel like I feel like he gave all of us in the profession, the profession a blueprint, blueprint as to how to do it. And I always felt like he'd take, he could take the ordinary and make it fun, and he could take the spectacular and put the exclamation point on it. What were your interactions like with him? Well, I enjoyed every one of them because I recognized and realized who I was talking to. He is the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. He did it for 67 years. He's the greatest storyteller I've ever heard. He, his grasp of the English language is just breathtaking, and the way he presented things were just different than any other broadcaster that I've ever heard. He once said that he wanted to do a broadcast as if he was sitting in the stands, sitting in between a couple of Dodger fans, baseball fans, and, you know, he would be broadcasting the game, and the fans would be interested, but they would be interested in other things the weather and food and travel and everything else. And that's what Ben was so amazingly good at, is that he could weave a story about something other than baseball into a baseball play-by-play. I've never seen anybody do it better than him. And that's why I think, you know, that connection with the fans, you start thinking about the greatest Dodgers of all time in some form or another. I think it's Jackie Robinson and Ben Scully and, Sandy Koufax, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, that's 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 a great list to start with, Tim. Also, did he ever give you any advice on the profession? Well, when I was a really young baseball writer, 1982, I was a beat guy, and I I met him, and he he casually asked me, so you know, tell me about yourself. So I told him quickly who I was, where I was from, and his, his advice was. As a young writer, I should try to write like I talk. And he said, if you do that, then you will be genuine and sincere. So try whatever you can to make sure that you write like you talk. And I've never forgotten that. And he sure didn't have to spend any time with me. I was about 25 years old at the time, and he took a few minutes to help me, and I'll never forget it. And great advice, and you've lived it out. Tim, uh, now the the trade deadline. Uh, Yesterday was a lot of fun. The last couple of days have been a lot of fun. In the end, I'll start with the Phillies since we'll we'll take the local team first. Do you feel like the Phillies are a better team today than they were on Saturday? Yes, absolutely. Um, Noah Syndergaard was a great pickup. He hadn't had a great year. He doesn't throw as hard as he used to, but they didn't give up an enormous amount, and they added, a, I think, still a quality starting pitcher 
who has pitched in uh, the World Series before and is certainly not afraid of anything. And I think that was great. The way they upgraded their bullpen with David Robertson was important. Now they can mix and match at the end of a game with not just two, but maybe three guys now. They also upgraded their defense with Brandon Marsh and Edmundo Sosa, and they really needed to upgrade their defense. So I really like what they did. I like the way they've been playing lately, and now I like them even more. And I would say at this point, I think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. Uh, anything can happen. Things can change. But I like where, how they've been playing, and I really like what they did the last few days. San Diego obviously did not just one, but they made a couple of huge deals along the way. Hater first, gave up a lot. And then this Sosa-Bell deal. How good now can San Diego be? Because at some point, Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. Yeah, I think with Juan Soto and Josh Bell going to the Padres, they have gone from a team that I think would have made the playoffs to a team that I think can be dangerous, very dangerous in October. Now, they're not the Dodgers. The Dodgers are better, I believe, than anyone. The Dodgers have won 25 of their last 30 games. They won their 70th game last night. They are loaded, and they've got help coming with their pitching. But the Padres, once Tatis Jr. comes back, and they can go Tatis Jr., Soto, Manny Machado, and follow him up with a bunch of other guys, that lineup will get demonstrably better. It's a really good pitching staff, and Josh Hader gives them a, a weapon in the ninth inning that very, very if it, it, teams have. So I really like what the Padres did, but you know the Mets are really good in the National League. So yep. are the Braves. Yep. The Brewers have great pitching. I told you the Dodgers are great. So this doesn't guarantee anything for the Padres, but it put them in the discussion in October as a team that can get to and win the World Series. And I'm not sure we could have said that two days ago. When I look at the Yankees and the moves they've made over the last how many months, Connor Falefa, Donaldson, Trevino, now they add in Harrison Bader, who started his career here in State College. It feels like every single one of them, you know, they can hit. But it seemed like it was an upgrade defensively. I read a wrong about that. No, you're right. The infield defense this year has been so much better than it was last year, which is one reason why they have pitched so well for most of this season. When a pitcher isn't sure if that ball is going to get caught, he's going to pitch differently. But when he knows... If I put the ball in the grass here, we're not only getting an out, we're getting two outs potentially. And now they've upgraded their outfield because Andrew Benatendi, who they got over a week ago, and Harrison Bader are both gold glove outfielders. So I love what the Yankees have done. I'm still not sure why they traded Jordan Montgomery. That's a bit of an iffy thing for me. But I like where they are right now because, A, they're really good. But you don't win in October with a bad defense or a subpar defense. And their defense is way better than it was last year. I'll close out with this, and it's about the Orioles, who got the fan base down there excited about some of the young players, the progress they made, two games out of the wild card. How do you explain what they've done? I don't think I can, Steve. That's the beauty of baseball. They finished 39 games out of fourth place last year. It's only the second team in history that's ever finished that far behind the next worst team 
in their league or division. And off of that, somehow, miraculously, they have gotten themselves into playoff contention. Now, their bullpen has been great. That's the biggest reason. Their starting pitching hasn't been great, but it's been much better than last year. And they can score some runs because they've got some pretty good offensive players in that on that team. And ever since Adley Rutschman showed up behind the plate, they've been a different team. Now, I'm not suggesting they're going to make the playoffs, but they've taken a major step forward to getting back into contention and being a representative club in the American League East. It's really impressive how they did it, and I repeat, it's hard to explain how they went from that bad to pretty good overnight. Well, Tim, from us to you, congratulations. It's always great with someone who combines skill, which you have, with passion, and others end up recognizing it. From us to you, congratulations. It's so well-deserved. Well, thanks so much, Steve. I'll talk to you soon. Tim Kirchin, and again, I mean it. When you combine passion with talent, which he has a lot of both, it turns out to be very special. And Tim Kirchin is exactly that. College football previews coming up. Brett Sianza joining us in the next half hour. Then Phil Steele at 4.06. Dave Refson in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. They go over it with a fine-tooth comb, each one of them. And a great service department. Now, we all know that SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company. Selling more cars, satisfying more customers. With that comes many great behind-the-scenes employees. So while they have many awesome technicians already there to serve you, when you have a busy business with a 107-year-old uh, dealership, you've earned a lot of trust, so they need more people. So they're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame and alignment, 
and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, entry-level technician looking for that all-important first job, or someone just looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or you can call Todd at 286-7746. College football season gets underway Friday. New Mexico State hosting Nevada in Las Cruces. Saturday in Dublin, Nebraska opens up against Northwestern. So with all this going on, we should be talking a lot about college football. So let's preview the season. Let's take a look at it with Brett Ciancia joining us now. Brett, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the invite on. It's the best time of year to talk college football. Everybody's optimistic. Everybody's undefeated and excited to break it down with you guys. Uh, how excited were you that uh, the edition has come out in hardcover for the first time in 10 years? Yeah, it was really surreal to see it come to life. Uh, for the listeners out there, it's Pick 6 Previews. It's my college football preview magazine. It was digital for the first 10 seasons, and then here in 2022, brought it to life with a paper copy. So, yeah, very surreal. Uh, it's gotten a lot of national attention and, and feedback, and it's been great to connect with so many fans. All right, so let's break it down. I mean, we all know there's so much movement with transfers. What does it take for you to track everybody, and how does it change the dynamics of some teams? Oh, yeah, the transfer portal has been a huge change to the game uh, in the preseason magazine game. And, um, you know, this is a one-man company. It's a one-man show. It's I'm doing all 66 Power 5 teams, all five conferences. So that was a big enough test to begin with. But then now you throw in this massive uh, player movement, and it's not just a couple backups here and there. These are star players, all-American guys, all-conference guys. Uh, totally changing the complexion of rosters year over year. So you start to use the the baseline recruiting rankings a lot less because the players are moving more. They really got to dig into each position group, each team, um, and each player, really. It's a player-by-player level. So uh, very detailed, very, you know, it's a a big task. And, yeah, you see changes in the conferences and divisions a lot quicker now. It's, It's overnight compared to stacking two or three recruiting classes in a row to change a program. It's overnight. All right, so... Because of all this movement, who changed for the better, in your opinion, and who didn't? Yeah, well, change for the better. Um, You have a couple of teams at the top of the transfer rankings. Um, It's USC was the headliner. They brought in a lot of skilled talent, uh, quarterback and receiver and running back. Um, Ole Miss, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin, he calls himself the portal king, and he really backed it up this year with the number two transfer class in America. Um, Some headliners there. And then some of the traditional programs, your Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, all placing in the, in the top 10 transfer ranks. Nebraska had a huge transfer group. And then a team that has really ignored the transfer portal is Clemson, actually. They're, they're very anti-transfer. And, yes. Um, while the other superpower programs use it to their advantage and they patch up some roster holes and, and some depth issues, Clemson has ignored that. So I'm wondering if that's going to catch up to them this year. In fact, let's get to – the USC part of it for a moment. In fact, they have 53 new players at USC. But what interests me is J.D. Daniels is at West Virginia. Keaton Slovis is at Pitt. Jackson Dart is at Ole Miss. Plus, they have their own quarterbacks. I mean, USC's turning out starting quarterbacks. They ought to have a tournament. Once the backyard brawl is over with, the winner plays Ole Miss to see who is the best USC (laughs) transfer quarterback. 
Yeah, they're they're almost halfway to a whole elite eleven. Let's call this elite <laughs> eleven uh, quarterbacks out there. They can have just the USC invitation on. And yeah, you're right. And that's why I'm actually shying away from picking USC to win the Pac-12. I know they're the Vegas favorite. I don't have them winning it. I picked Utah. When you look at USC, everyone talks about like I did with the quarterback and the receivers and the running backs. They've always had that. That hasn't been their problem recently. It's been in the trenches. It's been can they block? Can they tackle? And I don't know that they fix that overnight. And um, right. they're sold on their coordinator. Yeah, you're right about that. That's one one of the keys for them. You, you, they have the glory guys, but do they have enough of the trench warfare guys that can make a difference? Utah goes into the season the highest-ranked preseason ranking for a Pac-12 team since Washington in 2016. What is it about them you like? What are a couple of holes he has to fill? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's their highest rank in school history, too, their highest preseason rank at number 7. And they're my pick, they're my pick to win the conference and to make the playoff, which okay. uh, no one no one else has. And what I like about them is they have a proven track record on defense. Morgan Stanley is one of the best in the country at developing players. They they don't have five stars, but they bring in high three stars and they develop them in NFLers. And that's going to continue on defense, but specifically the offense takes a huge step forward. You saw them come to life last year after they switched quarterbacks. They played playoff caliber ball all the way down the stretch. After that moment. And they also took Ohio State down to the wire in that Rose Bowl. I know they ended up coming a little bit short, but right. they battled against a great roster. So it's great quarterback play, great tight ends, innovative coordinators, the whole package, and a manageable schedule. Well, a big reason they lost control of the Rose Bowl is they lost a quarterback. I mean, during the course of the game. That didn't help. Um, all right, so now let's get to the Big Ten. And in particular, obviously, the story is going to be in the East. So how do you break down the East? Yeah, in the East this year, I think it's a, a two-team race at the top. I think it's Ohio State and Michigan. I think Ohio State gets some revenge this year and, and goes back to the playoff. But, um, you know, with Ohio State, we know what, what they have on offense. It's one of the best in the country, if not number one, with C.J. Stroud there. The defense is the question mark. How quickly can new coordinator Jim Knowles improve that unit? I think it'll be pretty, pretty quick. They have a lot of five-stars stockpiled there. With Michigan, I think they have some staying power towards the top. I don't think it was a one-year wonder. I think that their offensive line is the strongest in the country. They won the Joe Moore Award last year for that unit and uh, four starters back. And then at third place, I went with Penn State. I know the trendy pick is Michigan State, but I go with Penn State here. They were a lot stronger than their record showed last year. Uh, five losses, all by a score or less, and they actually held leads in all five of them in the second half. So um, I know we, we can't play the what-if game, but that was a team that statistically was better than they showed. Um, great track record on defense. The question for Penn State will be their offensive line. And that's kind of been a – I sound like a broken record. It's been the same question since the mm-hmm. sanction years. But um, that position group uh, will go a long way, and maybe they can move up the ladder a little bit. Right. Uh, Jim Knowles, I think, was brought in for a primary reason to Ohio State, to make them a better run defense. Uh, and when Oklahoma State played Notre Dame in the bowl game, now it's different personnel, obviously. But they held Notre Dame to 46 yards rushing. I mean, to me, Brett, that's got to be his primary goal because they already have enough guys in the back end to play in the secondary. Can they stop a running game? That's exactly right. And when you watch Ohio State last year, they had success against almost every opponent. It was really just two that stood out. It was Oregon and Michigan, their two losses. And what those two teams did well was power run game. It was physical mm-hmm. offensive lines, and they, well, they ran and the ball Min- at will. And Minnesota. Minnesota ran the mm-hmm. ball, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mo Abraham ran really well against them. And you know, if he doesn't get hurt, Minnesota probably has a better year. But that's three teams. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that's definitely the concern is uh, can they can they defend the run better? And they'll be challenged right away against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, um, you just mentioned them. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country. That's their identity as an offense. I mean, we all watch them. It's smash mouth. It's a little bit more old, old-fashioned, slower tempo. But they're going to be tested right away. Uh, and then, then that's the opener. And then the, the closer, Michigan again, the revenge game. That's a great offensive line. So they're going to be tested. It's also the first time in four years the game is going to be played in Columbus. A lot of people don't, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that because there was no 2020 game. Michigan had to shut down after the Penn State game. Uh, all right. So when you look at the West, who sticks out in the Big Ten West to you? Well, I'll tell you what, with the Big Ten West, I do all five conferences, and this was the hardest division to pick out of all of, them, <laughs> all of the divisions, all the conferences. It's a log jam of really above-average teams. They're, they're, they're solid teams. I don't see any playoff contenders. I don't see any top-ten teams, but a lot of teams ranked in that 15 to 30 range. Um, when you have Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, a lot of these teams had breakout seasons last year. Iowa winning the West, Minnesota and Purdue getting the nine-win marks. Um, but I think we see a big jump in the win column by Nebraska. It's been well documented that they went 3-9 and nine last year but had eight one-score losses in NCAA record. Um, they bring in a big transfer portal class, too. But I ultimately went with Wisconsin. I think halfway through the season, they started to look like the Wisconsin of old. They found the next running back, Braylon Allen. Mm-hmm. The offensive line jailed, and, and uh, Jim Leonard's defense took off. So I, I have Wisconsin to win it. But you could argue five different teams to win this thing. It's going to be really uh, exciting to watch over there in the West. By the way, the Thompson kid, uh, the transfer from Texas, is the guy that ended up winning the Nebraska quarterback job. So we'll see. You know, it's going to be interesting because I think his dad played at Oklahoma, right? <laughs> yeah, dad played at Oklahoma, and they actually play Oklahoma there in week three. Uh, it's uh, The old rivalry is renewed, Nebraska-Oklahoma uh, in Lincoln. So, yeah, with Thompson, you get, I think, you lose a little bit of foot speed compared to Adrian Martinez, their or former four-year starter, but yeah. I think you get better ball control and, and better turnover margin. I think that Martinez was hot and cold, you know, highlight play yeah. for turnovers. Right. Uh, in the SEC, uh, a lot of people feel like Texas A&M is the one that's making the next step. And I've also then I've also heard others that think they're still an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. Uh, what do you think they are? Yeah, I have Texas A&M ranked second in the SEC West. I think they're a very solid team. We saw them beat Alabama last year on the field. We saw them beat Alabama on the recruiting trail, and um, that really angered Alabama and Nick Saban. You saw that whole offseason drama. But with A&M, yeah, he stacked four straight top five classes, uh, recruiting classes, that is, and they're loaded at every position group. It's just a matter of who emerges a quarterback. That's really the big uncertainty. And then the, the underlying other issue is how quickly will these five stars develop? They right. signed an all-time record high, eight five stars in this class, 18 top 100 players. So it's a matter of how quickly do those guys gel into all-conference caliber, or is it more of a two- or three- or four-year project? So uh, it's all about timing there. If, if it clicks right away, this is a playoff-caliber team. Yeah. yeah, it was Zach Calzada that led them to the uh, win over Alabama last year. He's now at Auburn. Uh, and so Penn State does play Auburn. Uh, third week on the Plains at Jordan-Hare. Uh, Ryan Harson went through a really rough opening season and went through a even rougher offseason. Where is Auburn right now? Yeah, you nailed it. It was, uh, you know, they started 6-2. and two. They were ranked 13th in the country. And then from there, they lost out. They lost five straight games. And then the offseason started, and that was even worse. They lost both coordinators. There was the, the drama by the boosters trying to fire the first-year head coach. 
I think something like 23 transfers, uh, players transferred out. So we saw a big talent exodus from Auburn, and uh, that's going to really catch up to them this year. I, it's, it feels weird to place them last in the SEC West, but that's how I ended up doing it. It was Auburn seventh in the West, uh, still top 40 nationally. It shows you how tough that division is, but I think that they're going to test Penn State in the trenches. I, I think Auburn has solid offensive line and defensive line play, mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, but overall I still like Penn State to win. All right, so now in the East – is there who can challenge Georgia in the East, and is Tennessee one of them? I don't see an overnight change there. I think Georgia still has a huge gap. I know that's probably the boring radio answer, but Georgia no, really but, is a superpower program. I want, I want accurate answers. I don't care if it's boring. Yeah, because you've seen all week here. It's you know it's talking season. You hear about how Kentucky's going eleven and one and going to beat Georgia, and how Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. I'm not buying any of those. those Neither stories. am I. I mean, I'll be honest with you. No. Georgia's on their own tier. But it was exciting going through the battle for second place. And you could argue Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, even South Carolina got some headlines bringing in Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. I went with Tennessee. It's a really great offense. It's high tempo. They put up a ton of yards and points last year. I think that continues with Hendon Hooker back, the quarterback. Um, they don't have it on defense yet, so I don't right. see a complete team yet. Uh, ACC, is this Clemson's to lose? Actually, no. I, you know, I, I'm going against the grain here this year. Okay. Everyone else has Clemson as the consensus. I know they're the heavy Vegas favorites, but I'm going with NC State. And this is you a know what? I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of a lot of people are big on NC State. Yeah, yeah. You talk to some of their media, some of their coaches. Uh, they think it's the best team they've ever had in school history. Yeah. And um, when you look at it, it's complete on both sides of the ball. Devin Leary, the quarterback, 30 touchdowns, just five picks. Mm-hmm. The defense was top 10 statistically in my numbers. They bring everyone back good coordinators. There's a lot to like from NC State. And with Clemson, we hit on it earlier, they, they have ignored the transfer portal. Their quarterback is a big concern, and now they lose both coordinators, something that has been uh, you know, a trademark of their program has been coordinator continuity. But Venables is gone, and it's a whole new offense. So a lot of question marks. I think it's easy for, for national guys to just pencil them in every year, but you yeah. got to evaluate them a little deeper. I think there's some concerns. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the coordinator part because that doesn't come up often enough. This, you know, Clemson has been the bastion of stability with Brett Venables, Tony Elliott, and this is the first time that you know Dabo's gone into the staff meeting and said, "Okay, let's all introduce each other again one more time." <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. And um, Venables himself will start there. He's one of the best defensive coordinators, best defensive minds in the game. So, I mean, right away you're having to replace a legend. Uh, I know that that their new guys have high accolades and some high praise within the coaching circles, but it's one thing to be good on paper. It's another thing to have a proven track record of 10-plus years. So Venables is a big loss. Offensively, yeah, they, you know, we talk about Clemson's dynasty. Six of those years was first-round quarterback play with Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence. They had perfect quarterback play for so long. You take that away, and you're not a more normal roster now, and they, they had some flaws last year. So uh, and DJU, the quarterback, he was – still looking like he was struggling in the spring game. He was overthrowing guys, skipping them in the dirt. So I don't know that they fixed that overnight. Hard to do. All right. So uh, among the uh, group of six, or the ground, um, I threw the American in there. All right. Anybody in that group that will at least make people say, you know, hey, you know, I think they're a potential, you know, whatever. <laughs> but who, who in that group is, is good enough to at least draw some buzz? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if they count because they're independent, but I would say BYU. This is a team that they no count. one's talking about. 
I have them 15th in the country. And um, when you look at their schedule, I'm not saying they're going to win all of these, but they certainly have the opportunities. They play Arkansas, Baylor, uh, Notre Dame, and Oregon. These are all top 15 teams. So they're going to have national spotlights. And and, uh, and when you look at them specifically, it's a physical, hard-nosed team. They bring back their top 15 defenders and 10 starters on offense. It's really just the running back that's gone. But really the whole team is back. They swept the Pac-12 last year going 5-0. and This is a strong team, and no one's talking about them. How good is Buckner, the Notre Dame quarterback? Do, do we have any clue? Well, I think he's different stylistically than what we've seen from Notre Dame. Notre Dame yeah. historically has the, the pocket passer. Um, you know, you think of Ian Book's four years and, and last yeah. year with Jack Cohen. This guy's different. He's a dual threat. He's from Southern California. Um, younger. You know, it's a, it's a young quarterback, a first-time starter. But I think he brings a new element to the offense. So that'll be intriguing to watch. Brett, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the hardcover uh, publication, and uh, good luck with it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Brett Ciancia from Pick 6. Great to have him on the show today. We'll get the perspective of Phil Steele in the next half hour, Dave Revson final half hour. And uh, great to have you with us as the college football season does get underway Friday night with Nevada. Playing at New Mexico State, Jerry Kill back in the sidelines as a head coach, which is great. And uh, looking forward to that Friday. Just to see it start, you're happy to see it start. And then Nebraska will play Northwestern, and that will be in Dublin on Saturday. And... That's what's going on right now in college football. I mean, Penn State has now gone into the game week routine. They split in. They were able to get into scout teams. Now, some guys in that scout team are on the travel team, just so you know. It's the way it always is. But they did that. Did that on Sunday. Yesterday was off. Practicing tonight. And that's... uh, it's that time of the year we're finally, we're almost finally there. Almost. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Feels like it's just dragged the last few weeks to get to this point. But fortunately, we're finally to that stage where we're talking about games. Now, there'll be other issues that come up as well. But we're finally going to talk about games. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Coming up in the next half hour, Phil Steele will get his perspective on the upcoming season. And we will also get the perspective final half hour from Dave Refson. Great to have you with us today here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.